welcome back to Wizard Horror. I'm Brianna. I'm Joe. I'm Matt. I'm Mitt. And I am Evil Steve, the clone of actual Steve. Thanks for joining us again at Is It Horror. And uh, for those of you who hasn't joined us before, we basically take movies or other media that are contested as far as their status as horror, and we debate whether or not we think they qualify. So this is uh, one of our Versus episodes. We did one before with Shaun of the Dead versus Zombieland. And for this episode, we're going to be talking about Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness, the last two in the original Evil Dead trilogy of films. We're going to check them both out and see whether or not we think both or either is horror. And before we get into that, though, we're going to the corner. You know it well. It's Joe's Get to Know You Corner. Woo! All right. Well, welcome to the corner. Today, in the spirit of Evil Dead or Evil Dead 2, the question is, what is your weirdest or creepiest vacation experience? Uh, one time I went to Salem, Massachusetts for Halloween, and it was very, very spooky and super enjoyable. But part of this, not on Halloween itself, actually, but like a night leading up to it. So things were building in the spooky spectrum. It was a ghost tour, naturally. Um, and it was a walking tour, and we were walking by this one building where we had stopped, and the tour guide was telling us about all the creepy shit that happened, and all the murders, and all the weird things that happened. And it was nighttime, and this uh, home was like a, I guess it had been converted into a daytime business of some sort, so it was not occupied as the tour was being given. And as the woman was um, telling us more about this, the front door opened and slammed. <laughs> like in the middle of the tour and scared the shit out of everybody. And I don't know yeah. if there was someone behind the door who did this on purpose because clearly they know that ghost tours are happening, but it scared the shit out of me and it was great. So that's my story. <laughs> nice. All right. So mine is, it's not directly mine. I was there, but it happened to my sister and her husband. Excuse me, to my sister and her husband. Um, we were at our relative's cabin, who they so generously uh, let us stay there occasionally. Uh, it's out in the woods, cabin in the woods. <laughs> um, <Ooh>. Right. <laughs> so, but the, the, you know, the thing about a cabin in the woods is even if it's a super nice cabin, which this one is, like when it's dark, it's, it's dark. You know, there's just, it's just pitch black. There's nothing. Anyways, so to set the scene a little bit, it's 3 a.m., and my sister and her husband are sleeping in one room, and there's a bathroom in that room, and it has, like, a motion sensor light. And then the room kind of next door, they have their kids sleeping sleeping in that room. So 3 a.m., and both of them kind of wake up, and they can't go back to sleep, and they just are kind of, I guess, feeling uneasy. But then several things happen kind of all at once. Oh, I should say, sorry. They left their, like, the bedroom door kind of ajar so that uh, their kids could come in during the night if they wanted. The other detail was they had a baby monitor, you know, one, the one in their room and the one in the kids' room so that they could hear them. Uh, okay, now back to the everything that happens all at once. Um, so all at once, the their bedroom door slams, the motion sensor light in the bathroom turns on, 
and the baby monitor turns off. And so they kind of freak out a little bit about this and go and check on the kids. Uh, the kids are all sound asleep. They're fine. The baby monitor is still plugged in. There's nothing wrong with it. They just, so like, I guess the thing has, like you have to hold the button to turn it off and on. So they turn it back on and it turns back on fine. But yeah, it was just this creepy thing. <laughs> I uh, asked for a few of the, or, or I asked them about this to tell me about this. And a couple of things they said was, so my brother-in-law said, gender roles all of a sudden became very important to, to my sister <laughs> at that point, And for some reason we had never discussed we had never discussed this before, but it was my job to go check on the possession of our children. <laughs> I support this. <laughs> yeah. So then, uh, and then the other thing he said, like after he went in there to check on them, like he was still kind of freaking out about it, but didn't want to wake the kids up. And so he was like, I stood there in the room for the longest time after, cause you know, it's gotta be a demon spirit or something. So there I am, me, the soundly sleeping kids and some demon spirit and nothing's happening and we're in this weird Mexican standoff. So anyways, <laughs> that that was the story. They never figured out why or what, why the door slammed, why the motion light went on, why the baby monitor went off. But yeah, that's it. Okay, so I don't know if I may be stealing something that my brother's going to say. Probably not. I'm almost sure of that. Okay, well then I'm going to just plow through. So, I don't really have, like, I don't have ghost stories. Like, I don't have, like, weird occurrences. There's nothing that's ever happened to me that I thought was, like, paranormal. So I just kind of went with weirdest. And um, I, my brother and I went to Pittsburgh, like, what was it, a year ago? Uh, and we did, like, a little cool vacation where we visited, like, a lot of the filming sites of... Uh, Night of the Living Dead, and Dawn of the Dead. And, like, all of that was really, really cool. Some of it was creepy, some of it was fun. Um, but probably the weirdest moment was we went to the Monroeville Mall, and we were kind of walking around in the Monroeville Mall and just trying to, like, see all the sites where where Dawn of the Dead was filmed. And, like, we were like, oh, man, should we go, like, should we go back into, like, these back areas, like, that are for employees only? We're like, I don't know. I don't think we should go. And, like, maybe, I don't, I don't know, we're going to get in trouble. And so we're just walking around. We're kind of dawdling around, like, like when you're, like, a teenager and you're not, you don't really want to do something, but you kind of want to do it. And, so like, and we're like, well, let's make sure and see everything so that when we inevitably get kicked out after doing this, it'll be okay. Yeah, so we were like so hesitant. And then so eventually we just said, you know, like we're not going to be here again, probably together, especially. So let's just go and roam around these back areas of this mall. And so we went and just roamed around in the back areas of the Monroeville Mall. And maybe kind of saw some areas that we think some filming may have happened and literally ran into nobody. Nobody said a word to us. And that was that. And we we came out and we left. And uh, <laughs> I remember we talked to like this janitor guy and we were like, is there any way that you could like wet us oh, back yeah, in to some of those areas? And he was just like, 
He was so condescending. I don't remember what he said, but he was such a, he was kind of a jerk. I remember. I remember. <laughs> what did he say? Do we we got to know. <laughs> okay, so at the Monroeville Mall, at least as of this recording, there is this um this shop there. I forget the name of the shop. I should look that up, shoot, but um it's it's like a zombie memorabilia shop and museum that's back there. And we during this trip, mind you, we thought that it was in Evan City, close to where the Evan City Cemetery, where the Night of the Living Dead for cemetery scene is filmed. So we go there, and it's shut down and closed for good. And we're like, "Oh crap, that sucks." So then that night, we're researching because we're gonna go do Dawn of the Dead stuff the next day, and we find online that, "Oh hey, this place is open at the Monroeville Mall." The move there, so we're thinking like, "Oh, that's great. It's gonna be right where we're going." So we go to the mall, and then once we get to the mall, we find out that it's closed because apparently it's only open like a couple days a week, and we miss those days a week. So we're outside of the shop, and we're talking about that, and the janitor is like, here's what, here's what you do. Next time before you come, you can go and you can look online, and you can see when the store's open, so you can come here when it's open. And we're like, oh, really? Thanks. That's great. Thanks a lot, you ass. <laughs> <laughs> he like said it he like said it in an even more condescending way though than that he like he was like here's a tip for you guys and he like did the thing where he like brings us in close like here's a tip guys come when it's open <laughs> and we're like fuck you brother <laughs> anyhow so as a fuck you to that guy we went in through all these back areas of the mall and just didn't care and left <laughs> yeah if you're listening janitor from the monroeville mall you can fuck off <laughs> <laughs> if you're not listening, well, then I have nothing to tell you. Here's a tip, buddy. <laughs> Anyhow, that's my story. All right. My story also takes place on a ghost tour. Um, my family used to, like, purposely go to haunted locations because we're very weird and macabre, I guess. Are you ghost hunters? No. Like, legit? No. I wish. That would be awesome. We'll talk later. Sidebars. <laughs> um, so this particular vacation was to New Orleans because apparently New, or or New Orleans is very haunted. There's a lot of weird stuff that happened there. So we went on this ghost tour and every time I, since I was little, anytime we would go on a ghost tour, I, I would just take pictures of everything. Like, because you don't know what you're going to find. You don't know when you're going to look back on those pictures and... And find something interesting. I remember when I was at Gettysburg, people were like, why are you just taking pictures of an open field? I'm like, I don't, you don't know. What if I find something spooky? <laughs> so, I was, so I was doing that on this trip and I was going through the pictures in the restaurant after the tour. And I was like, oh, didn't find anything cool. And I remember my dad looking at it and being like, looking at one of the pictures and being like, well, there's a guy right there. There's a guy in a white shirt right there. And I remember looking at that picture and saying there was no guy in that picture. There was no person because it was a picture of this hallway. Through It was a picture through a window in this hallway of a table where allegedly some guy had hung himself. But there was no guy in the picture. I didn't take a picture of a guy. It was just a chair. So I have the picture still. It's really bad quality but so we so we went through any every possible scenario of what it could be like oh we're like oh that's just the reflection of somebody behind me or something i was like no 
Nobody with a white shirt was standing behind me. So I think I got a spooky ghost picture. I'll send you the picture. You can tell me what you think. But if you look through that doorway, the doorway is like the brown part or whatever. Is that not a guy? <laughs> like a guy with a white shirt on just peeking over? It does kind of, yeah. I'm having a hard time making it out personally, but... It's very bad quality because it's cropped really intensely. I should have circled it in paint. <laughs> <laughs> I can kind of see what you're talking about. With your permission, we might have to share this on the, uh, For on sure. the Instagram. If I, could sh- if I could, like, show you what I'm seeing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Thank you, Chicky. You're fast. Okay. I see okay, it. Okay, I can kind of see it. Yeah. yeah. And there was definitely, I mean, first of all, that's not a, that's not a clear body, right? It's, it's like, it's not like someone standing straight up. You can see their whole body opaquely. Yeah. It's like he's peeking around. I don't know. I think I saw, I think, I think I saw a ghost. I actually sent that picture to the tour guide and they were like, wow, so cool. (laughs) That's mine. Well, mine is, uh, it's not exactly a vacation story, but I think that it still qualifies. So here we go with this. So once upon a time, I and my, at the time, wife got a job as night managers for the hotel that was specifically for like anniversaries and special events for couples. The way that this job worked is that we actually lived at the hotel. There was an apartment at the top of one of, it was like five or six different buildings. And we lived at the top in the apartment there. And uh, they were doing some remodeling for that apartment. So it wasn't ready yet when we were supposed to move in. So what they did instead is they put us up in the nicer room that was just below it. Now the staff and everybody, they had said that this, this building was supposed to be haunted. Uh, it was called the Thatcher Mansion, and uh, I guess the last Thatcher was an old lady who used to live in that particular room, and she would sit all day and kind of stare out the window. And some of the cleaning staff swore to the idea that they would go into that room and find that the window was open even when they had closed it. So we know all that going into it. And uh, we're laying there late at night. I wake up and it's got to be like three or four in the morning. And I am hearing this sound in the room that is just like, it's, it's not, you know, if this was a movie, it would be like some good creepy thing. Like, oh, I heard voices. I heard murmuring or something, footsteps or something. But no, what I hear is like Ew, lip smacking. No, that's not okay. No. <laughs> could you do that again so I could record it? No. No. It is recorded. It's going to be on here. You've got Ooh. it, I promise. Ooh. So, the, of course, the first thing I do is I roll over and I, I check my wife there and I look and, like, her face is completely stationary. That noise is not coming from her. And uh, it's not coming from me and I have no idea where the hell it's coming from. So... I could get up and look for it, but I was like, you know what? If that's what it's going to do, I guess that's what it's going to do. I'm going back to sleep because I'm tired. <laughs> so I went back to sleep. That's how I handled that situation. And I never heard it again any other night or any other day. And I still really have no clue where it came from. If it even for sure happened, if I'm being honest. 
but occasionally we'd hear noises down below us in that room when that room was vacant. So I don't know. Not sure what to make of it 100%, but maybe there was something there. Well, nice. What a great corner visit. Yay, corner! Creepy things in the corner. It's a creepy corner. Joe's get to know you, corner. All right. Well, for this particular episode, we are going to be talking about Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness. And kind of the reason why, if you're not familiar with the series, is uh, so the Evil Dead trilogy, the original three movies made by Sam Raimi, uh, they all change drastically in tone as time goes on. So you have kind of, I know some people consider it to be somewhat comedic and some people think that it was filmed intentionally to be funny, but at least the first Evil Dead, their intent was to make a straight horror film. And uh, then Evil Dead 2 interjects a lot more comedy into it, and uh, Army of Darkness gets even lighter in tone. And so we're going to talk about comparing Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness, since I think that there's less to talk about as far as whether or not it qualifies as horror for the first film, but uh, I think it certainly is a factor to a degree, so we'll talk a little bit about all three of them, but particularly Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness. But before we get too much further... We'll go into kind of the description there. So uh, Evil Dead 2 was directed by Sam Raimi, and uh, you would know him from other things like the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man trilogy, the Darkman trilogy, also Drag Me to Hell. And uh, by the time you are listening to this, there will also be the Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness that is out as well. Uh, in more recent years, he's not been doing as much on the directing side, but a lot more on the producing side. So uh, more recent films like Uma, the Don't Breathe movies, Crawl, the Grudge series. Um, and then also he's, of course, worked in television because you've got Hercules Legendary Journeys and Xena Warrior Princess that he was producer on, as well as some other TV shows beyond that as well. So a lot of stuff worked in horror, works in other genres as well. And then as far as the writers on Evil Dead 2, that was Sam Raimi and Scott Spiegel. Uh, Sam Raimi has a lot of film buddies who he grew up with, and Scott Spiegel is one of those. So they grew up together there. And Scott Spiegel, he's produced the Hostel series, and he also directed the third film there. I haven't seen that particular one. I've only seen the first of those personally. But he also wrote and directed From Dust Till Dawn to Texas Blood Money, which, sorry, Scott, but I hate hated that one anyway and then uh and then as far as uh actor he's the you might know him from spider-man 2 as the guy who tries to steal the random pizza slice when uh spider-man accidentally has to leave the pizzas on a uh, balcony i want to know how he was billed for that seriously i think his rooftop pizza thief oh my god rooftop pizza thief is the best name yep <laughs> it's a good superhero name yeah, someone needs to make that happen. <laughs> Rooftop pizza thief. And that's, should be a superhero? I suppose this should be a criminal, huh? But uh, another movie, I haven't seen it in years, but there's this zombie movie called The Dead Next Door, and he played a character named Richard in it. I don't remember who Richard was. I just remember the thing that was kind of weird about that movie is that Bruce Campbell, it, it was, these were all American actors, so it's not like they needed to be dubbed over for this reason, but for some reason they dubbed over an entire character's lines throughout the entire film with Bruce Campbell's voice instead. Don't know why it happened. I really need to rewatch it. So anyway, as far as the description of the movie goes, 
Uh, Ash Williams and his girlfriend Linda go to spend a weekend at a remote cabin in the woods. And while there, it's established that the cabin actually belongs to the Nobi family. Professor and his wife had come there to translate the newly unearthed Necronomicon. However, when Ash and Linda arrive, the Nobis are mysteriously absent. Uh, Ash had kind of known about the cabin, but assumed that the people who owned it would be gone. And uh, while there, Ash finds a tape recording of Professor Nobi's translation and plays it unwittingly, awakening the evil in the woods. It takes Linda, turning her into a deadite, and Ash has to kill her. He tries to leave the next morning, but is possessed by the evil, and only by the light of the sun coming out is he able to overcome it. He finds the bridge that they had used to get to the cabin destroyed, and is chased back to the cabin. With no escape available to him, he's forced once again to stay the night at the cabin while losing his grip on reality. Uh, his hand becomes possessed, and he's forced to cut it off with a chainsaw to save himself. Meanwhile, the Nobi's daughter, Annie, has just arrived back in the United States with the additional pages from the Necronomicon, and she and her boyfriend, Ed, make their way to the family cabin to help in the translation, only to also run into the destroyed bridge. At the bridge, you meet Jake and his girlfriend, Bobby Joe who offer to guide them to the cabin for $100. And once the four arrive, they find a blood-soaked cabin and a blood-soaked Ash, with the Nobis nowhere in sight, and the group assume the worst of Ash and trap him in the cellar. They find Professor Nobi's recording explaining what really happened to them, that the evil in the book killed Henrietta Nobi, and the professor buried her in the cellar. At just that moment, Henrietta, Henrietta resurrects and begins to come after Ash, and the group realize their mistake, and they save Ash and manage to keep Henrietta, Henrietta locked up below. Ed becomes possessed and is promptly dismembered by Ash. Bobby Joe runs into the woods and is immediately killed. Annie looks to the Necronomicon for answers, seeing that there was a prophesied one centuries ago who was supposed to stop this evil but clearly failed. Annie also realizes the page she's brought with her should be able to stop the evil, but Jake promptly grabs the pages, throws them into the cellar, grabs the gun, and forces everyone to go outside to search for Bobby Joe, where he screams Bobby Joe a lot. And it's iconic. If you've never heard him scream Bobby Joe, you really haven't lived. <laughs> Ash becomes possessed again. The group gets split up. Annie hides in the cabin again with Jake still outside. When Jake tries to enter the cabin, Annie accidentally stabs him with a Kandarian dagger. Uh, she drags him right to the cellar door, and Henrianna, Henrietta <laughs> promptly juices him. Evil Ash enters the cabin, but the power of love saves him, and he's back to normal. And then he and Annie decide they have to go to the cellar to retrieve the pages. Ash tools up, and for the first time wields the iconic chainsaw hand. He retrieves the pages, defeats Henrietta, and Annie begins to read the passages to dispel the evil, but there are two parts. First, they have to give the evil a physical form, which promptly descends on the cabin and tries to stand us to eat Ash. And the second part opens a portal to banish the evil, but before Annie can close the portal again, she is killed by Ash's severed evil hand. Uh, the evil and Ash are both sucked through the portal back to the 1300s, showing that he was the prophesied one spoken of in the book that failed to stop the evil in the first place. I'm just, okay, mild rant. I wrote beforehand that I was going to have a rant here. So here's the rant. So Nobi already unleashed the evil. He says that in the recording. And the evil took his wife and presumably killed him since he's shown to be a ghost later. So did he stop the evil before dying, while dying? 
because it doesn't seem like he did because Annie had the passages to do that. So he couldn't have stopped it unless he found some other passages that he chose not to mention that could have done that. So the evil's already awake and it's already out there. So did Ash playing the passage awake the evil some more? I just think it was already awake whether they played the tape or not and they were already screwed. Anyhow, there's my rant on that. Yeah, I don't think it's on Ash. I think, I don't know. I think you're right. I think the evil was already there. The evil was on holiday and Ash was disturbing it. I mean, I would have been pissed off too. <laughs> I think also, like, Ash and the evil get sucked back in time. But when he goes back in time, they clearly already for were familiar with Deadites and the evil. So I feel like the evil just exists in multiple places and times and instances all at once. And yeah, probably, I don't know, probably that recording just maybe targeted it at that area again. I don't know. <laughs> maybe it just calls them back to that location. Like they're like, Oh, we killed this guy and his wife. That was awesome. Well, let's go hang out deeper in the woods. And then they hear the recording again. It's like, Oh shit. Pager's blowing up. Let's head back to the cabin. Yeah. Like the evil can't, you know, just be everywhere at once. It's gotta be some kind of trigger for it. It's got things to do. All right, cool. Well, uh, and then we'll move over to Army of Darkness. And just the brief description there is pretty much the same because it's still Sam Raimi as the director. Uh, on this one, him and his brother Ivan co-wrote that. So uh, Ivan's worked on a few different things. He has co-writer slash story credits for Darkman and Spider-Man 3, Drag Me to Hell. And then he also worked quite a bit on Ash vs. Evil Dead. So uh, him and Ivan have you know, worked together plenty over the years. And uh, then I'm going to throw it to Joe for the description on that one. Woo. All right. So um, picking up right where Evil Dead 2 left off, Ash finds himself in approximately the year 1300 AD. However, unlike the ending of Evil Dead 2, Arthur and his people imprison Ash rather than immediately worship him. They believe him to be one of Henry the Red's men who they are currently at war with. They bring Ash, Henry, and the rest of Henry's men back to Arthur's castle for execution via the pit. The pit is home to deadites. How or why it exists within the castle grounds isn't entirely clear and frankly never mentioned again after this scene. They execute one of Henry's men um, within the pit and then throw Ash in. However, the wise, men, the wise man who works for Arthur believes Ash to be the prophesied one, and throws Ash his chainsaw. Ash is able, able to dispatch the deadites in the pit and climbs out to safety. And now everybody's a little afraid of him, uh, and he's able to free Henry and his men, who ride off to safety while Ash chooses to stay. Arthur accepts this, and the wise men tells Ash that he must quest for the Necronomicon, as it can save their kingdom, um, from the Deadites, as well as send Ash home. Ash only needs to recite the words Klaatu, Barada, Niktu before picking up the book. Ash prepares for his journey, which involves getting some sugar from Sheila, uh, the most eligible maiden in the kingdom. Then the next morning, Ash heads out into the woods to Grandmother's house, or rather the cemetery, where the book is located, but is immediately chased by the evil to the windmill. Uh, the evil creates many ashes, one of whom gets inside Ash and is able. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's able to get inside Ash and is able to grow a full-sized evil. Uh, 
How did he know that they called it the evil lash? <laughs> Anyways, uh, is able to grow a full-sized evil ash, clothes and all. Ash quickly kills the evil ash and heads out to the cemetery. He doesn't say the words correctly because he's an idiot, and <laughs> he unleashes the army of darkness. Uh, he heads back to the kingdom and is confronted about his screw-up by the wise men and Arthur. Sheila tries to tell him she still believes in him, but he admits he did screw up and just wants to go home. Sheila leaves Ash by himself, but is immediately abducted by a flying deadite uh, that brings her to the newly reanimated Evil Ash. Evil Ash turns her uh, into a deadite and raises an army of skeletons and deadites to attack the castle and acquire the Necronomicon. Meanwhile, back at the castle, Arthur's men are scared and debating what to do uh, when Ash interrupts it in loudmouth, braggart fashion to tell them they should stay and fight. They montage the hell out of some castle fortifications, spear training, and chemistry, which, you know, Ash so conveniently had a chemistry textbook in his in the trunk of his car. Of course. Uh, As one does. <laughs> and a Fangoria. Right. right. <laughs> Uh, the army of darkness arrives and the battle ensues. Cars are crashed, spears are thrown. There's some catapulting, uh, and ultimately, ca- uh, ultimately, Ash and company win the day against the Deadite army, um, with some help uh, from Henry the Red. The wise men prepare a potion to send Ash back to his own time, and if you watched the theatrical cut, it works, uh, despite Ash messing up the words again. However. While he's back at S-Mart, where, you know, you should shop, because shop, smart, shop, S-Mart, the Deadite threat still exists, but Ash is able to take it out with no problem, like a boss, or perhaps more like a king. (laughs) So that's the end of the theatrical version, or if you watched the director's cut, uh, Ash has a malfunction with the potions and uh, that he's supposed to drink and accidentally hits snooze for a century. He wakes up in a post-apocalyptic England uh, with his fate forever unknown as this plot threat has never uh, been picked up um, in a live action since. Some say he's stranded there till this day. Dun-dun-dun! I kind of thought it was weird in that scene. Like, why is he in england like did he when he went back in the normal ending was he in england and he had to like find his way back to america like i don't know i think uh being vague is basically the saving grace there since they never tell you exactly how the potion works or why he ends up back then it doesn't make any sense but yeah in uh yeah in the other one's pretty much covered because that had always been the plan from the get-go until the studio decided that was too dour of an ending I have to tell you that I didn't know that the um, the Smart ending existed until a few hours ago. I, apparently, I only ever saw the other alternate ending. For real? That's crazy. Yeah, pretty insane. What were you watching that huh. had the alternate ending? <laughs> um, Steve, I think it's your fault that I watched this, right? So maybe you had a VHS copy of something fancy schmancy with an alternate ending. I have no idea. Not then, uh, because I can tell you that I found out that the alternate ending existed and I tried hard to search for it. And that would have been in the late 90s, early 2000s. And um, it was 
not easy to come by then. I found some really bad videos online that you could kind of see it, but you know, it wasn't in the days of YouTube, so it was a little bit hard to come by. But they did release a bootleg copy of it on DVD that just had that ending as the way it finishes. So if you bought that DVD in the you know mid to late 2000s, that would have easily been the only way you'd seen it. I don't know. All I know is that I watched this uh, most recent, you know, whatever incarnation of it. And I was like, um, did it end that way? I feel like. And then I Googled it and I'm like, oh, I saw the other one. Never mind. Huh. That's interesting. All right. Well, let's dig into it. Uh, Evil Dead 2, horror or not horror? What's everyone's vote? Totally horror. Agree. Definitely horror. I also think it's horror, maybe like borderline horror comedy. Evil Dead 2 is horror for me. Same, no question at all. Definitely Evil Dead 2 is horror comedy. All right, well then, uh, Army of Darkness, where's everyone weighing on that? Okay, are you ready for this? This is a horror fantasy action farce. There you go. (laughs) So many flavors. I know, she's spicy. I, uh, despite having a lot of horror roots, I, I feel like there's a lot more action and fantasy in this one, so I'm going with not horror. I called uh, Zombieland horror comedy firmly, so I don't think that I can call that horror comedy and not call this horror comedy also. So I'm going to go firmly as horror comedy for this but I think it's definitely more horror than it is, or more comedy than it is horror. I do not think this is horror. I think it's action comedy. Final answer. That's where I weigh in, too. Um, I, yeah, I know that the whole series started out there, but this one, to me, is not a horror. Okay, before I get... Super talky again. I'm curious to uh, see what everybody's introduction to these films are before we dig in just a little bit further. Um, how did everybody first get introduced to these? I I know in a way I'm probably asking everybody to say, Steve, you shouted to me. But anyway, here we go. <laughs> it was definitely your fault. Final answer. Steve, you showed it to me. <laughs> I remember watching Army of Darkness probably like, 25 times or something growing up with you and i never saw evil dead and evil dead one as a kid i only saw both of those movies like within this last year i haven't seen any evil dead content until watching it for this podcast not the show or any of these movies and i'm very glad that i found especially army of darkness it's very good I loved it. (laughs) The other one, eh, we're getting there. So my first introduction to these were Army of Darkness was on Sci-Fi Channel a lot, not too long after it was in theaters. And the weird thing about it is that they had kind of this director's cut of it. So the one that you watched on the Sci-Fi Channel was actually longer than what was in theaters, minus a scene or two being substituted here and there. So, for instance, if you were ever if you're watching this and you were thinking to yourself, I remember that windmill scene being a lot longer. It probably was if you watched it on Sci-Fi. 
But uh, I had watched Army of Darkness a bunch of different times. And even though I saw like the recap intro, I kind of thought it was like a, what's that movie? Leonard Part 7 situation where the other movies didn't exist. And it was just kind of like riffing off of the idea that, oh, it's like one of those old school serials and this stuff didn't really happen anywhere. But uh, one day I rented this movie with a friend of mine and we were sitting and we were watching it. And then I read the back of the case and I was like, the sequel to Evil Dead 1 and 2. And I was like, what? And then I went and watched those and I was shocked to watch the first Evil Dead because I was waiting like, when's he get the chainsaw hand? When's he cut off his hand? When's he get badass at all? And was pretty shocked by the way that first film went. And then uh, it was kind of funny seeing the way that it progressed. But yeah, I was really like taken aback that there was more movies and taken aback by what the tone of those other movies ended up being. But, uh, all right, well, let's dig into some of the creative team and kind of what their intent on these movies were. Um, I have a couple quotes here. So for Evil Dead 2, um, at Evil Dead Fest 2021 in Park City, you had Bruce Campbell repeatedly calling Evil Dead 2 splatstick, and he'd also several times had talked about Army of Darkness not being horror, in his opinion. Talking about Evil Dead 2 in an interview with the Incredibly Strange Film Show, he said, we didn't want to create a movie that would have, you know, caused kids to have nightmares. That wasn't the goal. It was just to give them a roller coaster ride for 90 minutes and then they could go home and forget about it. And so Evil Dead 2 was even more like that, really. We wanted to have a master and a wider appeal so we took out some of the real gore and put in a couple of Three Stooges type gags. I didn't have a specific quote for Sam Raimi on Evil Dead 2. There's kind of numerous interviews where he's talking about the movie and to him it's just a foregone conclusion that it's horror. So it's not really a description of him you know, saying, yes, it's definitely a horror movie. That was a little bit harder to come by. Plus, he doesn't seem to do quite as many interviews, not nearly as many as Bruce Campbell anyway. As far as Army of Darkness... On the Shout Factory Army of Darkness, there's an interview with Sam Raimi where he says, Well, every picture I make is different, but certainly this film, Army of Darkness, has a lot of comedic elements in it, and there's a lot of absurd slapstick-style humor in the film. So I think it was influenced by the Three Stooges, so guilty as charged. So we're trying to thrill the audience with this picture. We're trying to give them a really interesting and funny adventure ride through 1300 AD. I hope we can be successful with that. It's true that we wanted to shock the audience when we made the Evil Dead films, but now I think we have different aspiration. We want to give them a rip-roaring good time. Hopefully this picture will provide that. And then I had another quote from Bruce Campbell where he was saying, We got into the horror business because we thought, gee whiz, we're taking these people's money. We have to give them their money back. What will give them their money back? And at the time we thought, well, horror movies, that's it. And we thought, well, if we're going to make a horror film, let's not fool around. Let's really give them blood and guts and give to them right in the face. But they've always had sort of a weird aspect to them. And so we've kind of been slowly injecting horror into them. And so now we're going to try to extract the horror out of them and try making just a comedy. So there's at least some comments from the creative forces behind both of those films and kind of you know, or what they said, at least about Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness. And then another thing, and I promise that I'll shut up after this, that I think bears talking about as far as the Evil Dead series is a uh, whole video nasty situation, which I talked about a little bit before we started 
recording here and anyone feel free to chime in and kind of have some just some statements on that at least. Uh, but a video nasty is sort of a slang term for a number of horror movies banned on the home video market in the early 80s in England. This is spearheaded by a lady named Mary Whitehouse and an organization called the National Viewers and Listeners Association. The initial list included 72 films and later a list of additional 82 films. The films were banned because the claim was that they were breaking the Obscene Publications Act of 1959 and qualified as obscenity. And uh, due to this, you could literally be fined or serve jail time for possession and distribution of these films. And then the panic surrounding them was that they were going to warp young minds and turn them into killers. Um, there, there's this really stupid quote from Graham Bright, who's a former member of Parliament, uh, where he claims that the movies would even hurt dogs. He said, this is a quote from him, if anyone stand up and if anyone can stand up and defend the sort of horrific scenes that I have had to see and other members of parliament have had to see, I believe they are living in a different world to that world that I live in. I believe that research is taking place and it will show that these films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect dogs as well. It goes far too far. Won't somebody think of the doggies? <laughs> it's fine if it affects the children, but not the dogs. There's nothing sacred. <laughs> Cujo was fine, and then he watched Evil Dead, and that's why he's killing people. <laughs> the list of video nasties included movies like The Burning, Cannibal Holocaust, Faces of Death, uh, Friday the 13th 1 and 2, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Thing, and of course The Evil Dead which Mary Whitehouse branded the number one video nasty. And uh, not every film on the list was subject to prosecution, but The Evil Dead was, and until a trial was brought up to establish a legal precedent, numerous organizations would be put on trial while The Evil Dead was analyzed over and over to decide if it could be considered obscenity, because it wasn't in question whether or not they owned the cassette because it had been seized, just whether or not The Evil Dead qualified. So it was seriously being tried over and over again in, in British court as to whether or not it qualified. Most cases found that it was not, a few found that it was. Eventually, a trial to establish legal precedent on the film was held, and Sam Raimi even testified in that case. And the film was cleared, but a re-edit of the film had to be made to make it available for sale. And it wasn't until 2001 that an uncut version of the film was available in the UK. And on top of that, The Evil Dead has been banned in West Germany, Iceland, Sweden, Finland, Ireland, Ukraine, and Singapore. And that's not even the complete list. I just couldn't find a more comprehensive list. So uh, it's been banned plenty of places. And so anyway, I think that it just bears, I guess, keeping that in mind. Because whether or not you think Army of Darkness and The Evil Dead 2 are horror, I think that you can certainly see the influence of him lightening the tone of things as the movie series went on, just because I, at least my personal opinion is that he probably had a bad taste in his mouth from dealing with all of that shit, you know, being treated like a criminal that you're corrupting children and having your movie put on trial over and over again. Like if it was me, I would probably lighten the and tone dogs. too. And dogs. and dogs. Think of the dogs. I gotta ask, though, how could you possibly watch The Evil Dead, the first one, and watch The Texas Chainsaw Massacre and say that The Evil Dead is worse than that? <laughs> I really don't yeah, get also, that. Yeah. didn't Faces of Death like depict real animal cruelty? I mean, I understand that maybe some things are tasteless in certain horror movies, but I mean, the point is it's completely and totally fake, you know? I, I don't know. Yeah, and in... um. 
can't, I don't know for sure about, I mean, Faces of Death, I thought was like literally people dying, but I, I'm not 100% on that. But at least I can say for sure with Cannibal Holocaust that they literally killed animals, like harmed animals in that movie in the making. Yeah. So anyway, I guess just, it's it's crazy to think that happened because when they were making Army of Darkness in 91, it had only, only 10 years earlier, there were people literally serving, you know, who'd been put in jail, you know, maybe for 18 months or so, but put in jail for having copies of the first movie in England. It's, I don't know, Thatcherist England, man. That's so crazy. But anyhow, um, let's let's get into this. Let's talk about gore. Where do you think, uh, as far as Evil Dead 2, it contains several blood geyser moments. So I think that's kind of worth talking about. Some connected to people and some not. And Army of Darkness also has its blood geyser moment. So does it affect your classification if the geyser is being shown to come from a person? Does it matter if the geyser color changes? Because it's certainly like there's red blood in Evil Dead 2, but there's black, there's green. Um, so I guess let's let's dig into that. Where does everyone weigh in on those for both films? I feel like a blood geyser is a blood geyser, but I I agree with that. You know, Army of Darkness was a little more. Would you call it splatstick? Is that what the darling Mister Campbell said? Yes. Well, I'm going to agree with him and also tell him he's wrong. Because I really feel like splat stick is a perfect way to describe it, but that's also in the Venn diagram that includes horror comedy. So I well, think I guess that to the be blood... clear, he called Evil Dead 2 splat stick. He didn't call Army of Darkness splat stick. Oh, oh, well then, never mind. Sorry. It's okay. You've ruined my day. No, just kidding. Um, yeah, I, don't, I think that the blood in either one of them just lends even more to the fact that it's horror. I don't think that... There's a delineation with it. Blood is blood. If it's funny, I'm probably going to laugh at it. I don't know. I think, yeah, blood is blood. But I think there is a little bit of a difference in like Army of Darkness where it just like spews out of the out of the pit. Like there's it's like it's sort of like implied violence, I guess. And, you know, obviously, you know, we all are meant to believe that the guy got liquefied, basically, but it's not really shown that much but it's different when like you know henrietta drags uh shoot the dude jake jake yes thank you drags jake into the into the cellar and like the blood geyser is like all around him like coming out around him and i don't know that's a a little more personal i guess so i think i i guess i think there's maybe a little bit of difference there I definitely agree also on the subject of like colors of blood. I know just in general, um, the color of blood is usually something that affects like video game ratings. So like Halo, for example, has a lower rating like for teens because all the monsters, all all the aliens have like blue blood. And so that was like a thing you can read about. But also I think the way that the blood is used in Evil Dead and the gore is a little bit different than in Army of Darkness. Like usually in Army of Darkness you can kind of see like what's going on or the blood is sort of more used comedically. Whereas I think in Evil Dead 2 there's kind of like some scenes where there's like blood shooting from the walls and I think they're trying to call back sort of these these iconic horror stories like 
Lizzie Borden's house and things like that, where there's like blood or like the walls are bleeding. People will claim that the walls are bleeding kind of a thing. So I think the gore is used more in like a horror way. Whereas in army of darkness, the gore is more like slapstick kind of humorous comedy gore. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure how I feel about the blood geysers because I do find them comical and I'm not sure if that was the intention. Probably a little, probably oh, for sure. yes, somewhat. Um, so I'm not sure if it actually does contribute to me thinking it's horror or not because I don't find it scary, especially because the execution is kind of also funny. The blood doesn't look like blood to me. So I, I don't think it makes me feel more that it's horror, but I wonder if the blood looked more real or if it was executed in more of a macabre way rather than like, oh my gosh, look at this blood coming out. Everybody back up. Um, maybe I would think it was a little more horror. I guess at least for me, I kind of echo what Joe had to say on already as far as the geyser side of things, because you, I mean, when the blood shooting from the walls in Evil Dead 2, it's definitely kind of playing into a little bit more of a horror trope, like Matt said, with, uh, you know, haunted house stories and bleeding walls that you, you know, always hear as urban legends and things. And then when you get the blood geyser from Jake, you know, you've got the guy flailing around as it's coming out of him. You see his skeleton with just like scraps of skin hanging on him early, you know, later in the film after that moment. But for Army of Darkness, like, you do get the, the geyser that comes out there, but it's just so disconnected because they throw a guy in the pit and you don't see that happen to him. You just see they threw a guy in a pit, blood geyser comes out, Ash goes in the pit, never sees the corpse or anything like that. So I, I don't know. It's, it's funny. I think it's meant to be funny, but it's just so disconnected. It's hard for me to look at that moment and say that's enough. Now, maybe if it was happening more... But I just think the way it's presented, and it's weird to me to think, like, I'm watching a movie that has a geyser of blood squirting out of it, but I'm still sitting here saying to myself, I don't think that it's horror. I think the weird thing about the blood geysers is, like, I don't know that, yeah, I don't know if they're a push on either way for me thinking either of them are horror because they are played for comedy. Like, the there's more kind of other gore in Evil Dead. Um, but, like like, we've talked about, like, the geysers are they're so outrageous that they're comedic and that's how they're i think i think how they're meant to be played in both movies um but you know it's obviously way more blood than would come out of a person and um you know like mitt said the blood doesn't look super duper realistic it looks kind of a lot more like red kool-aid or something like that but i i guess with the maybe exception of the jake getting dragged to the cellar cuz that's a little more I don't know, personal, I guess. Is that personal touch makes it mean more. Right. Well, and then what about some of the other kind of gory moments in the film? Because I think, at least for Army of Darkness, you don't really have that. I know, it's weird to say that you don't have that much gore in a movie that has a whole fountain of blood. But I do think that it's relatively bloodless compared to the others. I mean, you have these sword fights going on in the end, and but for the most part, people kind of get stabbed and then they they keel over or they're thrown off scene, you know, off off the scene. But uh, there's not necessarily a lot of blood coming out of those people as that's happening. 
and then you uh, the the deadites suddenly don't really need to be dismembered. I mean, there is the dismemberment of evil Ash, but a lot of deadites are like you know they get stabbed, they get their spine cracked or whatever, and then that's good enough to take them out. Or they get shot a few times, and that's good enough. And then there's not necessarily even blood during those sparks, maybe, but not really blood. Whereas in Evil Dead Two, uh, if there's a chance to put blood in the scene, they're putting blood in the scene, you know. So I think just like the gore overall feels a lot dialed back. Maybe I'm getting lost in the comparison between the two films, but I don't know. What do you guys think? Far more splatter in Evil Dead 2, but they play it more for laughs in Army of Darkness. I don't know. I, I see what you're saying. There is definitely a difference, but I still think that they are both horror of of a certain kind i also think uh most of the deaths in army of darkness are more like deaths in lord of the rings like you just you see somebody get a sword through them <laughs> yeah it a lot of like the straight battle scenes um if you just redid the special effects makeup it would be you know aragorn and the orcs so i'm with you on that yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of like we were talking about last episode with Pan's Labyrinth and, oh, is there a horror war movie? And we we're like, Army of Darkness, maybe? <laughs> oh, yeah. I I think the focus, well, I, I don't think Army of Darkness is a horror movie, which is why I think the focus, the focus is on the action in those, in those moments, not the gore. Whereas in, in a horror movie, there is a lot more emphasis put on the gore, like in Evil Dead 2. And, and when I think about, like, moments that actually made me cringe, like, gory moments that made me cringe, because I'm kind of squeamish, I can't think of any specific things from Army of Darkness, but I can think of two specific things from Evil of Dead. Uh, the parts that made me cringe were uh, when he's cutting the head down the middle with the chainsaw. It's off screen, but it still made me cringe. When yeah. he's cutting uh, the dismembered head, and uh, when he cuts his hand off and the blood splatters all up in his face those are i mean i did cringe definitely cringe in those moments um but i don't what about the eyeball to the mouth that was awesome oh <laughs> yeah 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 there's probably tons i'm forgetting but i i can't think of like a specific moment in army of darkness where i was like oh nice. come on the jaw falling off that wasn't like creepy and yeah. well first of all does it have to make you go ick for it to be horror? Because we've agreed, and this is your fault, that there's children's horror. I don't so think it, I don't think is it does Army before. of Darkness is Army of Darkness like I don't know, is it is it Ash telling his kids the bedtime story and like editing out the really messed up parts and being like, Oh yeah, and then I just <laughs> I stabbed him and he died, and then we all had a party. I do think gore has to make you cringe. Good gore. Okay, for so to, gore always to has to be gore. icky. I, I for it so. to be considered gore. Okay. For me. Okay. Otherwise, it's just blood. I think we talked about it with the last episode too, right? Like there's there's horror movie gore and there's gore. Like there's movies that have gore in them. Saving Private Ryan has gore in it, but the way it's played, right? And I think that's what you get here is that the gore in Evil Dead Two is portrayed to be shocking to be over the top to to make you cringe a little bit whether that's effective or not but then the gore and army of darkness is kind of 
I think that they do the geyser as fan service to be like, hey, this is for the people that watch the other movies. But as far as the rest of the film goes, the gore is going to be a matter of consequence. Someone has, someone gets stabbed, so there's a little bit. But even a lot of the times when they're pulling swords out from people, there's not even blood on the swords, you know? I'm willing to argue this as children's horror at this point, just because it has to be horror. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really ready. Please hold. While you were talking about that, I was like envisioning a scene where like they cut out and like Bruce Campbell's reading this to Fred Savage in his bed. Can you see? Yes, can (laughs) you see? But it has to be. It has to be fully grown Fred Savage. Oh, that'd be yeah, fully grown Fred Savage. Yeah, (laughs) of course, obviously. Well, and I think the other thing too, just as far as because I wanted to bring this up too, as far as Ash cutting his hand off. In the beginning of Army Darkness, they use a bunch of sequences from Evil Dead 2 in the recap, but some of the sequences in the recap have been refilmed. Specifically, when he cuts his hand off in the Army of Darkness recap, that's been refilmed to not include blood, because when you watch it in Evil Dead 2, it's like they're spraying blood all over his face, but in the Army of Darkness version, it's completely bloodless. I pointed that out to Mitzi when we watched it, so you can be proud of me. I am. Every day. Aw. Yeah. Do you think that the gore can ever go too... Like, I I was thinking about this watching Army of Darkness and Evil Dead 2, I guess, particularly. Do you think that there could ever be so much gore, so over the top, that it ceases to be horror? Can it ever be too gory to be horror? No. I'm not saying that that extreme is good, because I've seen a lot of movies where it was not a good addition. If there's anything that gets close to that, it probably would be Evil Dead 2. But I don't know. I don't think I don't think there would be so much gore happening that it just becomes like you're desensitized to it completely. It's all comedic. I don't know. Somebody would still be like, yeah. no, this is too much. <laughs> as the Steve, as the one who has seen the most horror movies amongst us, what is in your opinion, the goriest horror movie you've seen that maybe comes close to that line. It's Joe's Get to Know You Corner, part two. (laughs) (laughs) The remix. I was trying to think if there there was ever a movie that I watched that was so gory that it seeps to be horror and it was just like, got ridiculous. But I'm not sure that I've seen it. I remember at one point there was this, this website that was like, here's the goriest films of all time. And it was like Dawn of the Dead and Evil Dead 2 and uh, there's a few others. But I'm not even sure what I would say the goriest one. I know that they used the most blood in any film I want to say at the time of this recording. It was It Chapter 2. But even that Hmm. didn't go to the point where I was kind of like, okay, there's so much blood in this that I don't think it's horror anymore. So I don't know. I think maybe you could do it. It maybe depends on the film wrapped around the moment for me. Yeah, I could. I mean, I don't know that this movie exists, but if there, I guess if there was a movie that was like a lot more of the like comedic, like blood geysers to the face, then maybe. I don't know. Like if it turned into the Nickelodeon getting slimed thing, you say the magic word and then a shower of gore runs over you. I would still watch that, though. I was literally about to say that. <laughs> or like a, a live-action Itchy and Scratchy. Oh. 
It's interesting too. I so I think for, at least for me anyway, looking at it, I think that Evil Dead Two tried to frame its scores like it's trying to shock you. It's trying to be over the top in a horror movie sort of way, just taking it in a more comedic element than the first Evil Dead. Because the first Evil Dead, it didn't. You know, they have pipes pouring blood all over Ash's character too, and there's plenty of gore coming from characters as they're getting killed. So it's like they're just. Let's do that same thing, but let's try and aim for the comedic side of it more. All right, well, how about how death is dealt with in both films? So I guess my first question on that would be, did you ever fear for the lives of the characters in either film? And if if so, why? If not, why? Um, I did not really fear for the lives of anyone because it's comedy. You always kind of expect there to be a little bit of a happy end to these, or at least lots of comedic relief between the really obviously staged gore. I think, I guess for my experience, like I saw Army of Darkness first and, you know, I know, I know Ash is around. So by the time I watch Evil Dead, like I'm never fearing for his life. I, you know, other characters, all bets are off. Maybe it ruined the some of the suspense for me a little bit uh, because of the order in which I watched the films. But I guess trying to imagine a world in which I had seen Evil Dead 2 before seeing Army of Darkness, I may have, like, you know, Ash gets churned a few times into a deadite. And I guess I, I think I could have believed that or, or been more worried about his, his mortality if I hadn't have seen Army of Darkness first. And it's kind of the same boat in that I saw Army of Darkness before I saw Evil Dead 2, and Army of Darkness kind of erases Annie's character in the intro because it has, you know, him kind of fixing things and doesn't really involve her. But then watching Evil Dead 2, she was kind of the character I was rooting for the most. I think everybody else kind of felt somewhat disposable or just didn't care enough about him. But I, I kind of wanted Annie to survive, at least, and was disappointed that that didn't happen. I think for Army of Darkness, I thought Sheila was done for, and I kind of wanted her to survive. <laughs> but then, you know, she manages to bounce back at the end of the film. But I'm not sure... I'm not... It's been so long since I saw it, you know, with fresh eyes in that first moment. I'm not sure if I ever felt concerned for her or not, or if it was just kind of like, well, she got taken and she's evil now and just kind of left it at that. I, I think that neither movie gives you time to dwell on any of the characters' safety, really. It's just kind of, they, they cruise by. Well, let me tell you, Sheila sure can take like a two-story nosedive because she woke up and, man, that hair was perfect, her lip was perfect, her brows were perfect, A++. <laughs> the only real thing I have to say is that I think that Jake... And Bobby Joe was just a very interesting relationship. And I understand why Jake was so worried about trying to find her because that man is probably never going to do better than Bobby Joe. And <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the best he's ever doing. Like I was, I was like, she was kind of out of his league. I was confused by that relationship through, cause I was like, who, what are they to each other? Cause like, it kind of wasn't like watching close enough in the scene where they introduced them initially. So I was like, and then he's like, we got to find her. We got to find her. And I was like, well, I get it, man. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, fortunately, it wasn't an issue for too much longer because, you know, he accidentally gets stabbed in the chest. <laughs> 
Annie couldn't have killed him more effectively if she tried. It was an honest mistake. Yeah, then she drags him over to the cellar and basically like feeds him into Henrietta. Just <laughs> yeah. like a wood chipper is great. Oh man. Alright, well, do you think that to make it a horror movie that you have to have characters die? Do some of your main characters have to die? Is death important in a horror film? I say yes. I I think I said this in a couple episodes previously, but I think people in the main cast have to die for it to be horror. I don't I don't have any reason. Yeah, I I, I don't know. It makes sense. I, for me, I guess death doesn't. Uh, I don't know. I don't think people have to die, um, but I think that there has to be a distinct. I don't know, people becoming aware of their morality or uh, not morality, mortality, or there, there just has to maybe be the threat of that. And I'm not even sure if I think that because I think there's a lot of like psychological horror where it's not necessarily about the threat of death, but maybe more about the threat of madness or losing yourself or some other things like that. I think death is a very big part of horror most of the time, but maybe doesn't have to be there. I think it's a very common spice in the mix, but it is not always necessary. Because I think we decided that Coraline was horror, right? And I don't think main characters died in that. Good point. I think that's what's necessary is fear. And I think that fear comes in two components. That you're either worried for your physical health or worried over your mental health. Like worried that you'll be harmed either physically or mentally. Uh, so I kind of think it's more about fear in the characters and fear towards the audience rather than actual death. But I definitely think death can be a component. I think that's a good answer. I think for me it has to be more of a theme of death rather than death itself. Yeah, I don't think that you have to have characters die in a movie for it to be a horror movie. I agree that there are definitely horror movies where no one dies. And yeah, I think that it's it's about tension in a lot of ways, right? Can you mount that tension? Hopefully you can get the audience to feel it, but if you can at least get them to recognize that the tension is there for characters and have them at least have some kind of level of concern. But yeah, I think that you can end a movie without anybody dying and still have it be a horror movie. Yeah, I can see that. I might be changing my mind. I think the statement that it's it's about f inducing fear of danger in the characters was a good that was a good point. I agree with that. I take back my original statement. It was a good conversation. But what about having just horror related themes throughout? Like I find that especially with things that I find to be horror comedy, a lot of rules get broken that I'm usually really staunch on with other films that I would, you know, deign to call horror. That's kind of why I was saying that Army of Darkness could definitely be horror comedy, because on the surface, you've got demons, you've got skeletons rising from the dead. Like we've got necromancy up in here. Yeah, there's a lot of horror themes happening in this. I mean, they're reading from the Book of the Dead, bound in the flesh of human humans, so it's like... I, that's why I call it horror comedy, because 
it's all like horror as a backdrop. Yeah, and then there's this fun little side quest where Ash gets to get a new hand. Like it's all about gadgets. It's still it's still horror comedy though. Yeah, it's like horror comedy with a Rocky montage. Yes. And who doesn't love that? And I think Danny Elfman did the score for this too, so like bonus. He did do the March of the Dead, I believe is the name of the song. Is it the theme? Is that like the is that what it is? Yeah. Anyway, I just this is one of my favorite movies. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. Same here. But okay, so quick side note though, on the whole like Ash getting his new hand thing, like one thing I was thinking specifically this watch through is like how okay. All right. Ash works in, you know, the at uh, S Mart. And how does he know how to build like uh I, I don't know. I guess it's a pneumatic hand or whatever. Um, he went to wood how, shop? Okay. I, I mean, I guess, but I mean, that's, I don't know. And then he, he has a, like, chemistry book. Fine. But he had, like, a couple days before the deadites were getting there. So he was, uh, what, able to just, he, like, he knew chemistry that well that he just had to, like, oh, glance at it. Oh, right. That's how to make gunpowder. No, uh, no, no. His... His wisdom is stored in his chiseled cheekbones and perfect jawline. Don't you know this about Bruce Campbell? Hello. I mean, yeah, I this guess This is so. common knowledge. But then there... <laughs> right. But then he's like sitting there teaching all these, uh, you know, medieval warriors how to fight with a spear. Yeah. <laughs> that one's ridiculous, yeah. Yeah, how does he supposedly know how to fight with a spear better than these people who are living and breathing that all all their lives? Because S-Mart offers a discount at Planet Fitness, and he has been working out. Yeah, listen, <laughs> I just want to say, even though you're college educated, doesn't mean that you're going to land in a big time job. Sometimes you got to spend a little time at S-Mart, Okay. <laughs> He probably took every college prep course in his public high school. Like, the man knows what he's doing, clearly. Including spear fighting, apparently. It's an elective. Very well versed. Also, little side note here. Young Bruce Campbell is a dead ringer for Jim Carrey. Like, they look so much alike (laughs) in some of these scenes. Facial expressions, I think, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's never once occurred to me. I'll have to look at that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I'm gonna have to revisit that. Like, please watch rewatch Army of Darkness thinking of like young Jim Carrey. And like maybe watch the YouTube of Jim Carrey doing like the transition into Clint Eastwood's face and then rewatch this. <laughs> yeah, I can I can see where you're going with that. Okay, I want to revisit real quick because we talked about like the whole idea of the overall tone and themes. Like, yes, you've got an army of the dead. They're being raised from corpses and you've got a book that's bound in human flesh. And, uh, you know, he's going to a cemetery to to quest after these books. And and I get it. I get what you're saying because you're playing with a lot of horror tropes within the film. But the tone surrounding all of those things, it's for me, so comedic that it loses its horror value, in my opinion. I just think that it's it's straying so far away from the horror tone and the way it's presenting any of those things that it kind of doesn't matter that it's skeletons and 
dead people coming back and books found in human flesh, those details get almost entirely lost because it's just not focusing on any of that. Yeah, I don't know. I tend to agree with that. Like, I I do think that, like like I had said, I think this just focus, the focus is on the fantasy action thing a lot more than it is on the horror. What would make this horror, if, if it were to remain, if we're going to call uh, Army of Darkness a horror comedy, what would need to happen for for y'all who say otherwise what would need to make happen for you to actually agree with that like what what key are there a few key things that would need to change is the whole thing just not at all horror i i think it just it comes down to the tone of the way things are shot you know it's uh if you want to make army of darkness horror then i think that it has to go closer to what evil dead 2 was able to do because i feel like that one it does have that good balance where it has it has these funny moments, but it's still the like rising, falling of tension. So, you know, the tension goes up as you're like, oh, you know, we've got someone who's stabbed, someone whose life is at stake. And then the tension drops right back down when you get the geyser of blood, like it's happening to let that tension off. But I think that's the balance of horror comedy, right? Is it's that roller coaster of tension. Whereas I don't think, like, I don't feel that through Army of Darkness. I don't feel like an effort was made to try and have it feel that kind of tension throughout. So it's not escalating tension and then letting off. It's kind of more an adventure tone all the way through. The The tone is enjoy this adventurous ride, not be concerned for it or here's a, you know, scary imagery or, or things like that. I think that's what it comes down to is it's it's the tone it's the tension the way that each of those things are presented i'm sorry that's more abstract i guess no that's okay i'm gonna get more abstract on you because can we call this instead a parody is it a horror parody in any way because i think that parody strays into the realm of ridiculousness enough to sort of creep into the territory that army of darkness occupies i think i would go with the idea that evil dead 2 is a parody of horror but I would go really? with that Army of Darkness is a, and I'm, and I've made this at least statement before is, parody doesn't mean that it's not itself horror because obviously I said Evil Dead Two is horror, but I do think that it's a parody of what you see in horror, especially at that time period, and I think that Army of Darkness, if it's parodying anything, is more like the classic adventure film, you know, where you've got oh there's this this adventure hero that's going out and he's you know fighting the evil hordes and he's being the hero and you know his his shirts unbuttoned a bunch of the time and of course he gets the girl and it's that i feel like is more what it's parodying more what it's aiming towards in tone i think that with the the original well not original the alternate ending that i originally remember seeing in this movie i think that helped to cement this as a horror comedy in my brain because the two different endings, as we all know, there can be no happy endings, that would clinch it for me to be like, yes, 100%. Because I think that everyone so far has presented super valid arguments. Like, I'm not changing my mind, but I thought about changing my mind. So do you feel like it changes things having the theatrical ending, the S-Mart ending? Because that is a happy ending, really. Yeah, that for me makes it less horror that makes it easier for me to stand back a little bit more objectively and be like yeah you know what no it's still horror 
but that other ending made it more horror. I would agree with that. I think the downbeat of the alternate ending does lend itself more to a horror vibe. All right. I kind of wanted to, we were skipping around a little bit, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the presentation of the Deadites in this film too. So as far as the Deadite makeup between Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness, it evolves a bit. And I wanted to see if kind of the changes in the way that the Deadites visually look, if that influenced for any of you, whether you said it was horror or not horror between both films. Apart from like, so like Evil Ash and the, you know, creatures in the pit at the beginning, in Army of Darkness, it's it's really easy to forget that the skeletons are even supposed to be deadites or that they're supposed to be the same type of thing. Like, I don't know, they're just walking skeletons, which I, it feel like a different thing to me. It was very Clash of the Titans. Yeah, yeah. I think the the skeletons and the deadites in Army of Darkness in particular are more like you're supposed to laugh at the way that these skeletons are because there's like skeletons dressed as Scotsmen with bagpipes and like they're just getting like whacked and turned into dust. And it's it really takes you out of like the horror elements because there's more of those like kind of blob demon creatures in Evil Dead 2 versus this is just like funny skeletons that turn into dust when they get hit. Let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> exactly. The other thing I think about between Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness, and I, I don't know, I'm kind of skipping over a little bit some of the questions because we talked about some of those things a little bit here. But uh, so I think that you have you guys heard of the inverse ninja law before? No. So the inverse ninja law is, is basically a film trope or even we'll say a television trope. But the idea is that uh, the more ninjas there are, the less dangerous each ninja becomes. And I think you kind of get that with Deadites between these two films, because in Evil Dead 2, you've got basically three that you deal with throughout the film, right? The evil version of Ash, you've got Henrietta, and then you've got Ed. And each one take some time you've got a battle you've got to fight it they're difficult to kill they might even you know kill somebody in the process but then army of darkness you've got so many deadites that uh i mean you still get it a little bit right like when he's fighting a couple in the pit then that's a fight it takes longer and there's there's time that he has to invest to actually kill them but then when you get to the final battle uh, none of them are none of them are tough. It's easy to kill a deadite at that point. You don't even have to worry about dismembering them. So I guess at least that's part of what went into it for me. So I was kind of curious how how you guys viewed that. We touched on it just a little bit, but so how does the inverse, we'll say, deadite law affect whether or not you felt like either of these movies were horror, if it affects them at all? Doesn't affect it for me because one's comedy and one's even more silly comedy. I think it does kind of affect it for me because you feel like there's more of a threat to Ash when you're fighting these things that he can't seem to kill easily, but when they're skeletons that he can kind of just brush aside, you don't really fear for the character as much. So I do think it kind of plays into into whether or not it's horror or not, and Evil Dead 2 definitely feels more horror for me 
because there's a lot there's a lot more people dying and it feels like these are these creatures are sort of unstoppable in a way. So, yeah, I think it does. I think for my part, it's they're different, um but I I guess I don't think that it act for for me, I don't think it affects my decision to whether it's horror or not. It's a little weird to me to call them the same thing, to say that, you know, this army of skeletons is deadites, but also these individuals that are really dangerous are also deadites like it's weird that they're called the same thing but i guess mm -hmm. the thing that comes to my mind is like the numerousness of the deadites uh you know it's kind of like that's like a horde of zombies that you can have a horde of zombies that aren't on their own very dangerous but they're still you know intimidating so i guess for me it, it doesn't affect it being horror or not horror so another thing that kind of occurred to me while we're talking about this, and this goes for both Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness as far as, as how it's classified, but I think we talked about this maybe during the Ghostbusters episode, but the idea of the horror hero, it doesn't happen a lot in horror, but there are instances of it, but Ash is probably the most famous of those. And so I think, you know, the tone around any horror movie that has a horror hero ends up being different because it's not, uh, they feel less like a potential victim and they feel more like, oh, you're watching this to see them fight. So for both movies, because I'd say he's a horror hero in both movies, do you feel like that makes it more difficult to classify these or because it's comedy, it really just doesn't come into play? It's, it's you know... How do you feel about Ash as a horror hero and his kind of status within these films? I don't, know, I don't really have uh, a lot of thoughts on it. It doesn't make it any more or less horror to me, really. I think he's more of a quote-unquote horror horror hero in Army of Darkness. Like, he literally, you know, has a cape and is riding a horse and, you know... Yeah, anyways, and maybe that... Maybe that's affecting my decision a little bit just because he is kind of a little more, uh, I guess, unkillable because he's the hero. He's got plot armor, and I maybe feel that a little less in Evil Dead 2. I do think Ash's demeanor in the, in the, sorry, in Army of Darkness as opposed to Evil Dead 2 does change the tone for me because... In Evil Dead 2, he seems genuinely distressed and scared when this is all happening to him. He's, you know, he's yelling, freaking out a lot. His facial expressions are generally scared. And then in Army of Darkness, he's his demeanor is more like, oh, I've been through this already multiple times. I'm not even worried anymore. Let me just get this crap over with. And I think that does kind of keep, make it lean... It makes it lean more towards action than horror because now he's an action hero, not a horror victim, in my opinion. First you want to kill me, then you want to kiss me. <laughs> <laughs> but a boomstick and a chainsaw hand are going to up anyone's confidence. I just need to put that out there. Very true. Especially a double-barreled shotgun that can shoot five shells. Exactly! Can we talk about how cheap that shotgun is at S-Mart? Come on, one hundred nine ninety five. I know, right? That's so affordable, I can't believe it. Shop smart. Shop S-Mart. Wait, is S-Mart sponsoring this episode? Shop, shop Kmart. Shop 
Kmart. <laughs> uh, let's see. I guess in my notes, the other thing I'd mentioned was just talking about war films. We kind of addressed it a little bit, but I guess because um, we talked about last time with Pan's Labyrinth, how the horrors of war don't necessarily translate to horror. And so we've got, you know, kind of the war scene there with Army of Darkness. I guess I was going to see if anybody had any other additional thoughts on that, but we did kind of talk about it a little bit earlier and how that affects things. I think when the war is portrayed as so just in such a funny manner and it's just everything is overblown and exaggerated and so ridiculous, I think that's the thing that can take me far enough out of it to be like, okay, this isn't a war movie. I mean, come on, there's blood geysers. Yeah, and that's kind of where I landed on it, too, is it's not the same kind of issue with Pan's Labyrinth, because here we're talking about a purely fictitious war, and it's not portrayed as very brutal, and you're fighting zombies and skeletons, and so it's it's just a whole different tone to it entirely. And I think that level of, like, ridiculous kind of high fantasy with dark undertones is enough to make it horror for me somehow. I don't know. See, now I'm going to have to go back and watch The Black Cauldron and rewatch Army of Darkness again and decide because I still have not decided if The Black Cauldron is actually horror. And I'm seeing parallels parallels here in like the action adventure medieval fantasy realm. So maybe I'll have to do that for myself. I don't know. That could be a two part. I think we have to talk about that movie at some point. That might be a season two thing. I'm so torn. We'll see. I think that's about what I had as far as notes go. So did anybody have anything else they wanted to make sure that we kind of covered? I learned that in Evil Dead 2, when Ash takes, oh God, her Linda's head into the shed, Freddy Krueger's glove is above the door. Mm. Yeah, you kind of get this whole thing that happens throughout horror. It's, it's kind of weird because you have... Um, so Wes Craven, he makes The Hills Have Eyes, and in that movie, he has a torn Jaws poster. And so the interpretation by a lot of people is uh, that was Wes Craven saying, Jaws is nothing compared to our movie. So then when Evil Dead gets made, uh, they decide to take that same concept. So when they go downstairs in the original Evil Dead, they have a torn poster of The Hills Have Eyes saying like, hey, The Hills Have Eyes ain't no thing. So then you go in A Nightmare on Elm Street and you've got Nancy when she's uh, trying to stay awake. She's actually sitting watching the original Evil Dead. And so then you've got Evil Dead 2. Their response was to have the Freddy Krueger glove above the door in the shed. So you kind of get like this through line of referencing each other's films. That's cute. It's horror movie Inception. Any other thoughts? Uh, yeah. Evil Dead 2 was the only movie that topped Hellraiser for me in terms of WTF uh, viewer what? experience. What? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? This beats out Hellraiser for an ick yes. factor? What? We have such sights to show you? Oh my god, what? I don't know, man. I was pretty freaked out the whole time. Pearl clutch. Pearl clutch. Both hands. I can testify. <laughs> it beats Hellraiser. That honestly, the look on your face during Hellraiser to me looked like you were more freaked out than the look on your face during Evil Dead 2. But I mean, obviously, it's your your thoughts. But I'm just saying the facial comparison. I think because I saw that one Hellraiser. first. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> this one was more like 
like thrown for a loop every five seconds. I don't know what's happening. I remember watching the laughing scene and literally sitting next to Steve and thinking, what the fuck is he making me watch? Yeah. And the thing, <laughs> the thing that's funny is I remember that night because I came over to your house and I brought yes. Evil Dead 1 and Evil Dead yep. 2. And yep. I realized your mom was going to be watching them with us. And I was like, <laughs> well, we're not watching Evil Dead 1. So we put in Evil Dead 2. <laughs> Excellent choice. Oh, man. I love these movies so much. They're just like a, an adorable little hug. Yeah. All right. Well, I wanted to just, you know, pull out the meta tag since that's kind of what we've been doing at the end of these more recently. As far as horror, or as far as Evil Dead 2 goes, um, you had IMDb, YouTube, Google, Wikipedia, Redbox, Letterboxd. They're all calling it horror and comedy. You had Prime and Apple specific, like uh, Amazon Prime and Apple specifically just calling it horror. And then, let's see, Google Play. On Google Play's service, they specifically just called it comedy, which I thought was kind of weird. And uh, only one other classification for that movie is Letterboxd also calls it fantasy. But then for Army of Darkness, that one's a bit more all over the place. You've got uh, eight different sites calling it horror, six different sites calling it comedy. You've got a couple different sites calling it action-adventure as one category, but then also calling it separately action and adventure, and then uh, science fiction, fantasy, and then Redbox, for whatever reason, also labeled it as drama. So if you can... What? Yeah, I thought It's because of all those smoking hot romance scenes. Yeah, exactly. Get out of here. You wouldn't understand it with your primitive brain. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> give me some sugar baby give me some sugar seriously baby. that that is the line so from uh joe and i went to this uh evil dead evil dead film festival last summer and bruce campbell is telling a story about that line and he is like you know we're ready to film the scene and we don't have any dialogue for it yet or there was maybe some dialogue and it changed but that line hadn't been mentioned or uttered and so he describes Sam Raimi as like giggling him to himself in the corner as he's like writing this line and then coming up and being like, you're going to say, before you kiss her, give me some sugar, baby. And Bruce is kind of like, that's stupid. I'm not saying that. And then Sam kind of being irate with him and being like, you're going to say it, mister. <laughs> and so <laughs> Bruce finally deciding to say it. And it's just kind of funny. I don't know. The, the two of them, clearly they've been friends since you know, since they were kids, and uh, it's just funny to hear the stories between the two of them because of that. All right, well, thanks for joining us on another episode of Is It Horror? It's a bit of a longer one, so thanks for sitting through with us, and hopefully you enjoyed the show. For our next episode, we are going to be covering our first non-movie. We're going to be covering the video game What Remains of Edith Finch. That's available through a bunch of different services. I think most of us are going to be playing it on PC through Steam, but uh, you can also watch playthroughs of it, of course, and I'm sure you're aware on pretty much anywhere you go. You could, I'm sure you can find people on Twitch and on YouTube who've done playthroughs or are currently doing playthroughs if you need to. Um, Chicken Chaser 89 specifically, I know, did a playthrough that they could watch on YouTube, right? I gotta remember if I uploaded it to YouTube. I may not have. You had one job. 
I probably will do a full playthrough live on Twitch if anyone wants to check out my Twitch, Chicken Chaser 89. Those playthroughs are like a couple hours tops, right? Yeah, it's basically like playing a movie, essentially. Just for any of you out there who might be concerned that it'll take too long to watch the playthrough. There you go, and hopefully you'll join us next time and we'll check that out. It'll be fun for us to talk about something other than a movie and see how that changes things. But uh, we will see you next time. I've been Steve. And I'm Brianna. I'm Joe. I'm a (laughs) she-bitch. And I'm Mitz. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Swallow your soul. Swallow your soul. (laughs) You shall never possess the Necronomicon. Dead by dawn. Hush, little baby, don't see her. Thanks for joining us at Is It Horror? We post new episodes every other Friday. Think we didn't give this movie a fair shake? Think we missed something? Do you have a suggestion for future episodes? Or did you just want to say hi? If so, you can follow us at Is It Horror on Twitter, on Instagram at Is It Horror Pod, or you can email us at Is It Horror Podcast at gmail.com. In the meantime, stay safe and keep asking yourself, Is it horror?